Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shaw McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shaw introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Sean McCain. Hello, everybody. This is Sean McCain. I'm so happy to be here tonight, alive and well, in Southern California. And I'm very happy you have a, a illustrious guest tonight who is uh, talking about something that has been dear to my heart all my life. I, I don't know how to approach it or any of that, but that's why we have him, because we love to be educated on this show. And I'm introducing Mark Fiorentino, and he's the author of Master of Reality, which is a book about the completion of Einstein's unified field, field theory. And as long as he can remember, he's been blessed or cursed, depending on your point of view, with government systems and moved to uh, North Carolina and worked for IBM for 16 years. Then he had a good years there. And then he also taught himself computer programming and used that knowledge to develop a program of to fill your analysis faulty electronic uh, circuit boards. I think I'm saying this right, but and then he received a prestigious division award for helping the company save millions of dollars by preventing difficult fixed circuit board assemblies from being thrown away. Hmm. I also he also designed and built automated testing of electronic devices to assist in improving the quality of our products in the manufacturing process. I re- he he received outstanding. Achievements Awards for those projects as well, and he made a wonderful, many wonderful friends on the way and enjoyed his experience with IBM, and I know what happened with IBM. And uh, then he moved back to Florida for five years, and then he, uh, he managed a company named ImageSoft and then finished his career locally with his hometown. And with no further ado, I'd like to welcome Mark Fiorentino on the show tonight. Hello, Mark. You're going to live now. Hi, hello, Char. Uh, nice to be here. It's exciting to have you on because uh, actually, a part time. My mother was born in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, and IBM oh, yeah. was a big thing. Yeah, big thing there. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought I heard about it as a kid. You know, but I'm in California now. But uh, <laughs> it's a big deal. And why don't you why don't you tell us a little? I know you're the author of the Einstein's Unified Field Theory. And uh, that's quite a tackling of uh, <laughs> of his theory, and uh, I just I just love the premise, really. Mm-hmm. Tell us tell well, us about you growing up and what what you got interest why you got interested in this. Sure, it, it kind of happened as a, a happy accident. Uh, when I was about 10 years old, I was going to catechism classes, and the nuns asked me to, or asked everybody in the class to find a saint born on your birthday and uh, then bring in a small report on that. 
So I went home. There was no Internet at the time, so you know it was a little difficult to try to find uh, some resource that could easily give you that kind of uh, information. So I asked my parents, and they weren't aware of anybody born on March 14th. So I remember going to the calendar in the kitchen and looking at it, and I saw at the bottom of the square for March 14th is uh, Albert Einstein. So I says, oh, okay, well, I'll look him up. Uh, he might not be a saint, but <laughs> uh, yeah. at least I'll have somebody. <laughs> yeah. So I did. We I went over to the Encyclopedia Britannica and looked him up, and uh, <laughs> he was a really interesting guy. And I remember being referred to uh, an article on the unified field theory, who I, I'm, I'm still a little surprised. I guess it was entered in many years earlier by uh, James Clerk Maxwell. And I was shocked that, that he was in there. But I read about the concept of the unified field theory and, and then some more about Albert Einstein's idea, which was, it just struck me then so strongly that I still remember it to this day. I said, this makes sense. This makes more sense than anything I've ever heard, in it, and I want to know more about it. And so from that point on, I started reading things that of science. I became very interested in science, and I started reading anything that I could get that had might have something to do with the unified field theory. And I thought someday I would hopefully, before I died, I would read about somebody, you know, figuring it out because it was a great, great quest, a great mystery. So I was really interested in that, very curious to know the truth. So throughout the years, I, I continued reading everything, including you, books about UFOs, because I was curious about the anti-gravity technique, and I thought that was probably going to be related to the unified field theory at some point. And um, so that's how I got into it, just uh, basically uh, it was kind of a, a fluke of nature. <laughs> I think that was it's supposed to be, I think, when you once you find your what you're really interested in, it opens up, uh, of course, a whole big life for any person. And could you tell us or give us an outline of what is unified field theory? Sure, sure. It actually breaks down into like a single sentence. Basically, if you want to have a unified field theory, according to the Einstein version, uh, he believed that electromagnetism and gravity emerge as aspects of a single fundamental field. That's it. And and so let's go in a little deeper here. Well, what are you talking about, single fundamental field? At that time, the field they thought it was was called the ether. And uh, it was all pervasive, everywhere in outer space, everywhere in, inside of planets. Uh, it was just everywhere and so um so somehow electromagnetism and gravity are aspects of that field and what i did was deconstruct it even further and, and, and tore the electromagnetism back apart into its fundamental fields which were the electrostatic field the magnetic field and the gravitational field so figure out how all those are created and those are the three aspects. And when you know how all three are created, how they mechanically work, you have the unified field theory. So that's what I wound up doing. 
I don't want to say accidentally, you know, over the years of research, and I compiled all these notes, when I retired, I decided to write a book about it all. And then by the time I had finished and completed it, I realized, well, it appears here that I actually solved the problem. So basically that's how electromagnetism, I mean, how the unified field theory works. It's just... Uh, electrostatic fields, magnetic fields, and gravity fields uh, emerge as aspects of the single fundamental field, which is the ether field. They're ba- they're basically different bendings of space, and those bendings are forces, and forces create action at a distance. So that's it. That's the unified field theory in a nutshell. Wow. You know, uh, I've I've... I've read some studies on uh, the action and reaction, and how strange now that it's gotten that we uh, know that some that something can be in two places at once, and <laughs> I can see it happen. And there's a lot of strange things going on. In the world of quantum mechanics, yes, yes, and uh, the the people, the general population, and even some. Many physicists have problems with quantum mechanics because when you examine the field theories, they don't make sense. And a lot of people are uncomfortable about that. And they're starting to question it. And um, I studied that as well, studying Einstein and Niels Bohr and and that group and the many discussions and debates they had uh, with field theory versus quantum mechanics, and Einstein didn't like quantum mechanics. He didn't like that it didn't make sense. <laughs> and so yeah. um, my my theory is a, basically an extension of Einstein's work. It's a field theory. It's a classical field theory and does not require quantum mechanics and therefore does not require strange explanations that don't make sense. As you read the book, you will find that uh, everything makes sense, and it's backed up by a lot of scientific evidence that's been out there for years. It's just simply been ignored. It's uh, it's extreme. It's uh, it's hard for me to articulate what I what I think about this. Um, why don't you tell us about because. Uh, some of this stuff has led you to the other world, like of psychic abilities and stuff like that. And uh, what was your first encounter with something that you thought was psychic or otherworldly? Yeah, I I could fill up an hour on that alone. I'll try to limit it and try to, (laughs) you know, maintain the the connection to the the theory and the discussion on that. But sure, they are related. And that's what makes my theory and my research unique uh, in that uh, scientists, physicists would never go there. You know that as well as I do. Yes, I they do. Don't, they don't go for that. And so they're they're blocking out a whole valuable area of information, uh, data that they could use to figure out the problem. So let's get into just briefly uh, one of the instances instances that started me on this road as well now we've already at 10 years old we uh, i'm already introduced to it and it's in my mind uh, from then on in but at the age of 
19 to 20, somewhere in there, I think it was 19, uh, uh, me and my friends here in Florida, we decided that we were going to go to a place called Casadega. Uh, are you familiar with that town? No. Have you ever heard of it? Okay. No. Casadega is well known here in Florida. It's the spiritualist capital, or at least it was then, of North oh, America. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's it's right. Lo- <laughs> it's loaded with psychics. And, you know, I heard about it while I was going to uh, community college here in town, and I thought that I was fascinated by that. And, you know, let's go and get our fortunes told. It was kind of like a little adventure. So me and a bunch of guys on a October day uh, decided to go down there. It was gray, overcast, very blustery, windy, very kind of kind of a little bit spooky. It was perfect. And we drove down to... Uh, Casadega, which is about halfway between here and Daytona Beach, which is our final destination. We were going to spend the weekend down there. And um, we we poked around town, and uh, on the way there, this strange thing happened. This song came on the radio, and it kind of was like a, it gave us a message. I think it went like this. Distant hands in foreign lands are turning hidden wheels, causing things to come about that no one seems to feel all invisible from where we stand, yet the connections come to pass, and all too hard to comprehend, they affect us nonetheless. And I remember hearing that as we were driving there. I says, well, that's kind of appropriate. I, I, I think that means something. There's a message there. And so we went further. We went into town. We stopped. There was a couple, couple carloads of guys, and we we uh, were walking around, and the wind blew a branch, a big branch off a tree and hit the other guy's car. So they got spooked and they left. They went on to Daytona. It just left me and this other guy named Duff. And we looked around. We poked around, knocked on a few doors. Nobody came. We finally found a house, a sweet, quaint little house uh, and that had a nice little old lady in it. Her name was Martha McKay. It's amazing. I can still remember that name. Yeah. And she gave she gave us a reading. And my reading went totally normal. Nothing unusual. You'll be married, have two children. Uh she eventually saw me getting into electronics. I wasn't into that at all then, but I was right. I was interested, always interested in mm-hmm. electronics. So she was hitting on everything. Everything she said came true. But the first thing she said to me, which became something that other psychics said, in your final years you'll be a spiritual teacher. And that happened several more times along the way as I went to psychics later on. They would say that usually the first thing. And um, then I, you know, my reading was over, so there was nothing unusual. Everything she did predict did come true, and the other guy went in. He went in, we did his thing, and then we got in the car and we left. And what what now becomes very interesting is, is the conversation on the way to Daytona Beach. My friend says to me, well, that was really interesting what she said about you, Mark. And I says, what are you talking about? I had like a really normal, you know, nothing special, you know, thing going on there, reading. And she said, well, yeah, and later in life you're going to become really famous for some discovery. And I thought, huh, she didn't say that to me at all. Why wouldn't she say that to me when I was in there? Obviously somebody told her that, and then chose she chose later to tell you and then, now I'm in the car. I can't ask any questions about that because I would have. Yeah. I would have wanted yeah. a lot of details because that's kind of interesting. 
But then that stuck in my head for many years after that. And it came up in other interviews or other readings later, and I was going throughout my life to try to fix problems in marriage and, and so forth. Uh, and this this was always kind of coming up sort of in the background. I was receiving lots of information from the other side, and I had become convinced and received much evidence proving without a shadow, a shadow of a doubt there is another side. People live after they die, and they don't stop living. They don't cease to exist. There's an afterlife. People live on. Their consciousness, their souls live on. There is a God, a Jesus. There is a whole other magnificent universe and different places there and things that you can do. It's real. And, uh, it is real. From then, yes. Yeah, from then on, I said, "Hey, this is the source of things," and that became intertwined into my theory because I realized if you want to know how things really work. You need to go to the creator and ask him yourself. That's what I always did when I was troubleshooting at IBM. Mm -hmm. I'd go to the guy that wrote the program and ask him, how does this thing work? There's a problem here. Or how does this piece of hardware work? And they would explain it, and I would get the information I needed to fix the problem. Same thing here. I troubleshot the theory of uh, the general theory and the special theory of relativity and basically troubleshot the unified field theory problem. And there was a lot of mistakes I found in history while I was doing that, and it was well worth the effort to write a book, compile all of that, and and put it all down in a sensible uh, manner so that people could understand what's really happening and what's really going on. So that's how I got into the the spiritual side. Uh, Just uh, was kind of on a lark, but I got a lot more than I bargained for when I went for that reading. So that's basically how it started. There was more things after that, but I, like I said, I could fill in an hour with more. It's more evidence for for you to, to understand and for the people out there to understand that we have spirit guides. They're real, and they're with you all of your life, and they're helping you as they have helped me in this whole theory, I mean, where does inspiration come from? It comes from uh, in the spiritus, the spirit, you know. Um, how much of this information I got that way, who knows for sure? Uh, I don't know, but I'm sure a lot of what I got, the ideas and the inspiration comes from there. And we all have access to that. The more we understand it and learn how to communicate uh, with the other side, the the more that becomes available to us. So it's not just for me in this circumstance, it's for everyone. Yes. Um, there's people who just believe that they don't believe in anything but what they see and that they're right. uh, you know, atheist or ag- agnostic. And uh, it has, uh, I'm interested, I, I was so interested in what, believe too because some people don't believe anything like that and right. uh, I find it like how do you exist without how do you how do you think you you exist here when yeah, uh, they see you and I are thinking flat, yeah. yeah you and I are thinking in the same way because I'm curious about that too so I'm, yeah. I'm constantly questioning them and how they got there and why they have this 
lack of information that is readily uh, readily available out there. There are literally thousands of NDE reports, people going there on the other side and coming back. They say all can't be making a mistake here, and they're saying the same thing, basically. There is ample evidence, testimonial evidence, by very reliable people that there is an afterlife. And then, then there's all the psychic mediums and all... I've had many demonstrations beyond any shadow of a doubt. They're actually talking to the other side because the information they gave me was highly personal, exactly correct, and nobody knew about it. Let me give you just an example of why I'm so convinced. I went to a medium several years later. We were having marital problems, my first wife and I. And the first thing the medium said to me, and this is before the conversation even got going, but she says, your mother is here, and she wants to tell you she's been sitting in the chair in the bedroom at night when you've been praying to her, just like you asked. And that was exactly wow. right. I used to pray at night, and I, I would invite my mother to sit in a yellow, golden yellow chair in the corner of the room, and I would talk, you know, have a conversation as I was praying. And that, that was a complete hit. Nobody knew that, not even my wife. She couldn't have looked that up on the Internet. <laughs> and there wasn't an Internet then. And so I said, hey, this is for real. There is another sign. My mom is fine. She's alive. And, you know, rejoice about that. So, right. yeah, how these other people, they don't make this connection. They don't have the experience. And the some of them are, are, are smart. One person in particular... Yeah. I was yes, dating this guy, and I admired his intelligence. He owned a computer company, and uh, when it came around, I, I used to just I did hair. I still do hair, but I was doing hair in a salon then, and I remember cutting his hair. And I asked him, "Well, spiritually, what do you believe in?" I just just asked him, uh, you know, because uh, we're talking, whatever. He says, "I don't believe in any of that." I went like, "What?" And then I remember looking at him. I'm thinking, thinking, God, you're stupid. I didn't know you was that stupid. <laughs> well, I, you know, I they say the same thing about that. us. I know, they must think we're nuts, but, you well, know, but I remember the same thinking, thing. you're missing a whole thing here. There's a whole beauty well, and God and the angels and the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's missing out on all that, and I, I can't understand anybody that doesn't believe it a little bit. Or that could say it could be, or something. He just flat out didn't believe it. You know, he never called me again. Yeah. <laughs> Asked too yeah. many questions. So I... <laughs> <laughs> well, but... you know, that's an important thing to have in common or not in common. Oh, definitely. If you're, if you're a log scientists are driven by logic and facts and sensors yes. and their senses, what they can see, feel, hear, and if it doesn't exist that they can detect then it doesn't exist in their minds and it and you can and it's it's like the old age old question you know if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one here there to hear it does it make a sound the scientists mainly the quantum mechanics the guys who said nobody there didn't make a sound not only that but the forest <laughs> doesn't exist and the tree doesn't exist and uh unless there's somebody there to observe it that's that so that's how kind of, I mean, it's the whole 
a logic the way they've been trained and you know the way the scientific method is mm-hmm. uh it it doesn't accommodate any kind of a spiritual concept i mean it's just like no i can't detect it i can't you know verify it in a lab therefore it doesn't exist and anybody who talks about it is crazy or you know they use a lot of different words unfortunately the but arrogant a, ones. There's, there's like many a, scientists yeah. that believe in. There are many scientists that many believe. now even. Yeah, the so top, it's changing. Top, but top scientists, yes, the top 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 scientists of the world are now saying there has to be a higher being. There's no way this was random. Well, and to support what you just said, I, I would agree. And on my website, I have a blog entry. It's uh, Father Rick Wendell. Now he talks about when he's there, and there's other ones to, uh, that also say the same thing. God tells him while he's there, I created the universe, the whole universe, the laws of physics. I determined those. Everything was set in place. So in reality, in the end, when we evolve high enough, science, religion will eventually subsume science, and that we'll be able to know since the creator, the, the source of all science, of all things, is w- how this all came about. We should, of course, include that, try to understand the creator, how he did this stuff, the rules, understand those rules that, that determine the how the universe works and so forth, the laws of nature and physics. And uh, that's going to happen one of these days. Uh, yeah. I don't know when, maybe, you know, I'm trying to help that along, but it's, uh, well, it's like Einstein once said. Uh, he said that science without religion is lame. Religion without wow. science is blind. Yes. So he knew then, and he also believed uh, in a greater power, a creator, uh now I'm a theist, so I only not only believe that you know Einstein believed that God created the universe and that's it. He just stepped back. God didn't get involved with people at all, the or you know beings. He just did it, set it there, and set it in motion, and, and you know left. I say no, and and the NDE people also say this as well. I say He's no constantly too. creating. He's constantly involved with every person on this planet and every other planet. We are the center of his attention, each and every one of us. Every particle, every atom is the center of his attention. There there isn't anything that isn't observed and, and, and he's not involved in, so... Basically, my theory is an well, intelligent design theory. Well, he's in the air we breathe, really. If he removed the, it, it's everything. From us, would, yes. All of I, all of it comes from God. It's like we're in like a dream that He created. I call it through the power of intention in my book. Basically, yeah. He intended it, and it became so. And that's and not only that, but in these NDE accounts, they're also speaking about. Not only just this universe, but there's an infinite amount, and he's creating new ones all the time. <laughs> it's not a problem for the ultimate master of all things to do that. Is that what you came up for the title of your book, Master of the Universe? Master of Reality? Yes. Uh, just ba- 
basically because I thought that, well, what I'm talking about in this book is a reality model. It's basically a model that describes how things physically work here, the unified field theory. So I decided on, well, okay, the master of reality, like the picture in the book, the the old wise man, you know, imparting his knowledge. Yeah, a wizard or a sorcerer might be a better term. Yeah. Uh, uh, but not in an evil sense, and not in, you know, a no, devil worshiper. No. I'm talking a sorcerer, one who connects to the source, is telling yes. the, the apprentice, he's holding those three objects there. Those have meaning. Those are the parts of the signature of God, which I talk about in my book, which I was able to discover. And... Um, that's what it's all about. It's imparting that knowledge. That's what I'm trying to do now so that mankind can benefit from this truth, from this knowledge that's in this book. And there's a lot. There's a lot of things I go over. I cover a lot of territory. And not only gravity, but anti-gravity, how to break the light speed barrier. There's tremendous breakthroughs in this book. So this is something that I, I'm responsible for. You know, I guess I was picked for this job, and there's nobody else can do it. I wrote the book. I have the information, and now it's my job to get that information out there, whether I like it or not. I mean, I was kind of dreading having to do this kind of shows, talk shows and stuff, because I'm basically an introvert. And uh, But then when I realized, uh, if I don't follow through here and start talking about this, nobody's ever going to know about it. It's just going to be a book sitting on Amazon with, <laughs> that nobody ever knows about. So it's important that we have these discussions that we're having right now. It's vitally important. And I appreciate you having me on your show so we can talk about this. Well, gosh, thank you. I just It's an honor to have you on. And your book, Master of Reality, I did find it on Amazon, and it's probably a, a do you have it at other places besides Amazon? Well, uh, right now, I'm uh, currently, I, you can buy it from me directly off the site. I have some books I ordered and I, in the U.S. only. I can sign it and stamp it and mail it to you that way. I'm going to do this for a while longer. I don't know how long I'll, I'll keep doing this, but I do. you can buy it from me from the website. Uh, it's a little extra work for me, but... You know, basically, it's on Amazon right now. Right. There, and what is, it's what's from your my website? website. It's www.super-relativity.com. Super-relativity.com. Yay! So, um, going back to something that just happened, and uh, I don't want to bring this up to make anybody sad, but my mom passed away on Saturday. Oh, and this relates to what you think. Think, so think it's okay. It was, it was, it was rough because I was not expecting that, you know. Anyway, uh, even though she was eighty-five, she just seemed so young to me, uh, yeah. young at heart. But uh, this is what happened. So Saturday morning, it relates to what you were talking about. You, you, in your connection with your mother, it. Uh, I saw. An extremely bright, you know, once in a while, part of the sky turns ultra white. It's a pure white, bright, bright, bright light. 
And it was so bright, I had to open up the curtain and look at it. I was like, oh, my God, that's beautiful. It occurred to me to take a picture of it, but I never do take a picture of anything I see like this. But anyway, it was brilliant white. I shut the curtain, and pretty soon I heard, like, little pebbles at the front of the house. So I went, what is that? It looked like, really sounded like somebody throwing something against the window. Then I opened up the shade again because it came to this part of the house. And it was hailing. This wow. is California. This is California, mind you. It and sounds it was like hailing. Florida weather there. That's what I'm saying. It was too weird. It was bright, bright, bright light out and then hailing. And I yeah. looked at the, the hail. It was still on the ground. And my sister called. And when I saw her name in the phone, I knew my mother had died. And it was my sister and her mother, but when she told me yeah. she died, it shocked the heck out of me. And uh, so I've been processing it all week and everything. But sure. I thought, I thought, I think I was crying, but then I looked at the, the uh, pail and I thought frozen tears. So I looked hmm. up frozen tears. And there's a psychiatric term called frozen tears when people, because there's the question I had about my mother, about her behavior. And I never could quite understand what she was about in this certain area. And uh, I wrote a thing to her on my Facebook page. If you have time to read it, you can understand what I'm saying a little better. But um, most child molestation was in in there because of... uh, not only was she molested by a, a family friend, and uh, then we were molested by one of her boyfriends. Do you know what I mean? All of us. There's, there's four of us. It is. Yeah. It's awful. So in this article, it's so deep, frozen tears, and the first name of this person is Cherry, like a, a red cherry. So... It was so profound when I read the article. I totally understood my mother was operating from shame. That's why people will block you off and stop talking about something. And when you don't know what they're doing it for, you don't, you misunderstand the whole thing. So my mother's gift to me is she came here and she knows I'm smart enough to figure it out. And she presented something to me right away, like this is why. And it's profound. I've read, I read it almost every day, just trying to absorb the information that she that she left me. And she yeah. um, she always kind of feared me a little because I was her little psychic kid. And she was always scared because you know when you show up and she she didn't call you, but she was thinking of you. And when you find something, I said, "Oh, here it is," and she never asked you for it. You know what I mean? It kind of freaked her out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. A lot of that psychic stuff still freaks a lot of people out. But then there's other people like us. Uh-huh. Know, it's a part of the natural connection to the the rest of the universe. And uh yeah. from now on more and more people are gonna have that gift. It's part of the mankind's evolution. Yes. Well it's a good story you told. Uh you know, you got some valuable experience and uh yeah. understanding from 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 all of this. Yeah, I have no regrets, no bitterness, nothing. Just because yeah. she sent that to me in that way. It's not right. 
something that you can that you can misunderstand at all. And um, I've had like three people I know that were impacted at Reddit and said it was so deep, and it was it was so it's particularly perfect for healing and forgiving and uh, not worrying about it anymore. And I understood yeah. finally. I went, dang, mom, I wish you would have told me that. <laughs> she wanted me to know. It all happened the way it was supposed to. There's no accident. Exactly. You got the message. It all worked out. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a beautiful way to say goodbye. Also, to tell the truth, mm-hmm. you know, because my mom yeah. was a first generation here from Greece, and she always just wanted to fit in. So she always made mistakes sure. because she was trying to fit in with other people. Until into right. her last minute, until now she's free. You know, because I used to try to tell her, Mom, it's not like that. God is real. Oh, you know? okay. Well, she knows well, now. Well, she went, she knows now. That's the first thing I thought. Well, now she knows. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. You know, I've heard NDE stories about people who are atheists. They learn pretty quick. Um, you know, they get what you, you know, if you're an atheist, you kind of get what you expect initially. Uh, sort of a void state where you don't see or detect anything that looks like God. And depending how strongly you believe, you may stay in that state for quite a while, but usually they have bad experiences, and they find God within minutes, uh, usually because they're under great duress because of the things that are happening to them. Uh, And the the spirits and, and so forth, or even demons or whatever, are after them because they don't believe in God, and so they're exposed to the other types in the afterlife. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the one instance. Uh, here, his name was. Um, oh, I can't think of his name now. I want to say George, but or Howard Howard Storm, I think is his name. Uh, he was an atheist, and um, he went off with these people. After he died, he saw his body there, and saw he was lying there, and, and he was trying to yell at the nurse. She couldn't hear him. And uh, then these people were nearby, and they called to him and said, Hey, come with us. And he went with them, and they were leading him into this grayer and darker area, and they started saying mean things, and they became more angry and yelling at him, and then they attacked him. And, he, you know, then he heard this voice, pray to God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and he was, I don't even know how to pray. I'm an atheist. I don't know. I've never prayed. And he kept saying, pray to God. And when he did, when he started doing that prayer, the the evil people retreated. They couldn't stand the idea of God or anything, and they retreated. And uh, then the light appeared, opened up, and then he was able to proceed to go to heaven. So it really depends on your state of mind, the experiences you have in those first few moments after you die. Uh, But, you know, eventually everybody comes to realize, I'm here, I'm not dead, and there is an afterlife, and there is a God. uh, Yeah, there is. I I just read that story. I I just oh, really? actually read that st- yeah that's that's strange yeah they were actually hitting him you right know, pushing him beating his, him hitting him even tearing at his flesh yeah it was, it was horrible I know um yeah. 
I have had near-death experiences, but what's happened since my mother passed is some very strange things have been going on. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. a life review. Like, why would I oh, have a life, life review? review? That's what I'm saying. Uh, I interviewed Dr. Raymond Moody maybe three times, and he talked about a shared uh, life review. But I think that's what happened to me. I'll just tell you, it was in, I, was ha- I was in a beautiful round diner with round windows all around. And this is the part I wanted to tell you. So I was being awarded all these things, and it was so funny and so joyful. And I, but I'm trying to remember all the rewards. But my one award was, and it was uh, a 19, uh, it was with, along with the car, there was an uh, award. And this is what it said, Char the person most likely to go to the moon in a 1957 Chevy. <laughs> I, was like, I, woke up. I was laughing uh, in my unusual. dream and I woke yeah. up and I went, man, that, that, you, you probably could do that if you really set your mind to it. But it was like a whole life review and it did go all the way back, you know, and uh, it was very joyful and good, but I was wondering why did I have a life review? I don't know. That's a good question. But I've heard that happening to other people as well sometimes. Wow. It's not the first time that's happened to somebody without dying. You get close to that sometimes, and it happens. It's triggered. God works in mysterious ways. There's no doubt about that. But there's always a reason, and it's all about learning and, you know, acquiring experience so that you can have knowledge and wisdom that will help you get through your life. That's right, because when I woke up, I was crying and laughing, and I was thanking God so much to, that he let me see something, but I can't report all of it, but uh, I did ha- I have had near-death experiences, a couple of them, and uh, oh, okay. I guess I had a heart problem that I didn't know about, and I died in my sleep, and I, and I was going to heaven, but then I had this thought, what about my kids? So then I came back, like with a slam back in my body, and that was very uncomfortable. So I mm. regretted coming back for about a week. <laughs> yeah, that's common. When you're gone, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. God has a love, and that's what you feel when you're going to heaven is God's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's all incredibly important, interesting stuff, and it's going on, uh, I think, to the tune of like 200,000 people in the United States alone have NDE experiences. We should be listening to them. They're they're learning valuable stuff. I mean, I read about them all the time because there's a lot of great information. In my book, there's an NDE person. That's where I I, uh, I met and I talked with her for quite a while, was on her team for a while. Uh, she had seen something that I was searching for, uh, and I had gotten the idea, actually the same thing that Einstein was for searching for before he died, which is a dynamical geometry that would explain this, the origin of mass and gravity. And uh, unfortunately, he died before he learned about the quarks that are live that reside inside of the neutron and proton, the primary uh, pieces of matter that generate mass. And uh, so I knew that when I 
started my search for uh, the, that dynamical geometry, uh, I knew that it was going to be a geometry that was composed of three elements somehow, three uh, uh, spiraling things or three things working in a particular pattern. And so I thought, well, why not go to God to figure this one out? I mean, he's the creator, and he would be the person that created this signature, which is I, I decided to call it, because it was like God was going to sign the universe. How would he do it? Where would he do it? Then I had a little riddle pop in my head. The signature is in everywhere and in everything, but impossible to see. So I thought mm-hmm. about it a moment, and it was a nifty little riddle, but it was fairly easy to to solve. It says, of course, it's inside of the atom, uh, and that made perfect sense. And so I decided to to do what Einstein suggested, which is, uh, he 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 said once that uh, I want to know how God created this world. I am not interested in this or that phenomena in the spectrum of this or that element. I want to know his thoughts. The rest are just details. And so I says, huh, I'm going to listen to that advice. I'm going to try to know his thoughts. I thought the only way to do that uh, reliably uh, uh, would be somebody who had an NDE experience and actually gets to talk to God, and that's a very common thing that happens. And I thought, well, maybe somebody had one, and they saw a dynamical geometry. So I started reading through loads of NDEs looking for anybody that saw some sort of a geometry in motion, and it would have three parts to it. And, you know, I actually found one. A lady called it the pattern, and it was this gigantic thing, and it had all these different... Uh, geometric elements around it, mainly a sphere in the middle and a trefoil knot. A trefoil knot. That's a special, very simple knot that's got three elements to it. I says, perfect. That's the motion that the quarks are making. They're, they're following a trefoil pattern, and it explains everything. It explains the binding energy, the binding force, as well as how it, the mass is created. So, you know, there's great information out there that scientists could have tapped and used. Well, I talked with this lady, unfortunately. This particular lady, her name is Lynn Claire Dennis, uh, was working with other very reputable scientists by this time, by the time I contacted her. And um, they had convinced her that this really wasn't a real thing, this what happened to her she just had some nifty kind of dream-like thing i guess and she's an agnostic now which is very oh unusual my God. For, yeah. for an NDE, because i asked her point blank and i are do you believe in god because you know the guy that that she hangs her out with and does work with dr lewis kaufman very reputable very nice fella who's also agnostic and the other person that she works with, Bob, I, I can't remember his last name, is also an agnostic. So she kind of believes what they believe. And that's very oh, unusual weird. for an NDE to not know if there's a God or not. You know, and I am I just couldn't work with that, so we no longer <laughs> associate. Wow. But I tried to tell him, I know what your pattern is. Well, this and, is, and this he is says it. it. Yeah, he says it. it 
when he's talking to her, I am the energy that forms mass. He's telling her, and this, and he's showing her how he does it. And in my book, I, I use that information to finish the unified field theory, and it's all in there. It's quite involved. A little bit too long to get into here, but uh, uh, wow. it's it's basically all there and in high detail with the mathematical equation that describes that type of motion, which is a moment of inertia equation, slightly adapted to uh, explaining the the situation we have. So there is a solution, and that solution to the unified field theory is in my book. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a dream I had. So we're talking about exactly the same thing, but I don't have a scientific background, and I don't have the vocabulary. But I had a dream that it's profound that from the energy it takes to being born to stand up fall down keep walking forward and you go towards I I, it would look like a, a golden road that people had been on before but I was on this road and all the mistakes you make all of everything the energy that you ever do I'll just, I'm just shortening it way up. And then you reach the apex. In the dream, it's apex, which is God to me, the apex. And then in there, once you reach the apex, you're somehow transformed to many, many, many like one, one you goes in, but the eternal you comes out. You know, that, that your energy is much more multiplied. And in this dream, there's a number that of how what energy it took us. Like before, I had this dream. I thought when you made a mistake or made, you had time lost, you know. But no, none of all these mistakes even propel us towards our greater good and to God. That's not true. Even the there's really are, no mistakes. Yes. No, there's really no and mistakes. It's that dream just laid it out for me. It's all works to the greater good. And right. that's why people should not give up. When you make a mistake, this is all just right. propelling you towards your greater self and towards the God, which in this gene just happened to be called the apex. And I looked up apex. And apex is the top, as top as you can go. And that's where God is. Right. You know, and, but the, that's when you're talking about this energy so it's real and that there was a number to it it could be calculated i didn't understand huh. it i knew that part it mean your whole life can be calculated as a number yes uh, what huh. well, i'm just telling you that well, because maybe you can do something with it because i surely can't there's a, there's a lot of people that have had ndes who see uh, these huge like computer screens with all these formulas executing and calculating that's not a strange thing that's other people have also had that kind of experience where they they see uh, like calculations being performed and there's all this math involved it's it's hard to deal with all that and you know i, I got Man. my little piece of the pie and yeah. was able to it, it these are clues i look at these things as clues and um, <laughs> I, I think about it basically is that, you know, 
I'm a person who um, found a lot of clues and was able to recognize the meaning of these clues. And I was able to string them together in a logical way and come up with a theory, a very sensible, logical theory, using the clues that has come from nature. It, it's it's mm-hmm. a process. The book was a long and, and complicated process, but it was well worth the adventure, and there's a lot that can be gained and benefited uh, from all of humanity uh, by uh, understanding this. And, and, you know, at the end of the book I put in, you know, there's experiments you can do to prove what I say, especially where anti-gravity is concerned. Neither general relativity or special relativity or quantum mechanics really uh, predicts anti-gravity. And the solution for anti-gravity is actually quite simple. It comes from high, uh, very intense magnetic fields, which cause space to rotate. This rotation causes space to be thinned out, uh, stretched, and so it expands when that happens. And so this is the way that you can shield uh, gravity, and also it can be used for propulsion. So it, there's a lot for mankind to benefit by reading this book and performing the experiments that I ask about in the, the latter part of the book. But a lot of this information is is in part or in whole coming from the, the divine, in my opinion. Uh, and that's how it works with all people who create, uh, who write books, who do artwork. Um, creation is a is a thing from it really is a thing from the divine and uh we should learn to tap into that more imagination is very important in in our world and it leads to much success and and great creation people with vision it's very important all this is happening uh with a, a, a like a like a dance <laughs> a ballet of yes. the universe where all of us are are Connected, and we don't realize it when we're in the physical form. We feel like we're separate. We feel like we're alone, and that is by design, so that you can have experiences both joyous and 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 suffering. And you'll learn from those things, and it's um, part of the process. That's that's why we're here. You, you can't really do that in heaven where everything's perfect and everything's uh, you know all knowledge is available. Here we're we're kind of isolated in this physical lower frequency, and we kind of have to struggle to get things done to accomplish. And uh, I'm 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 loving this challenge. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good one. Well, it's it's never ending. Um, uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, after fifty, you think well. You know, spiritually speaking, everything else, you know that you're going to still grow and you're still, you know, learning and all that. But I have been also psychic all my life. So I thought, well, this stuff is bound to run out sooner or later. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, but what's happened is now that I'm older, the more it's happening. And I've had some very strange things. And one of them I'm about to tell you is I've never heard this in my life, but maybe you've heard it from somebody, so I'm going to put it out there. So thank God I have a witness to this, or I wouldn't believe it myself. Uh, I was at a, 
a party. And I was just, you know, observing. I had I was having a lot of uh, psychic things going on, so I was going like, what the heck? Is, you know, I may never come back here again. You know what I mean? I was thinking like that. Because people are too weird and nothing is what it seems to be. And I was slightly disgruntled, I guess. I don't know. But I actually got startled by a light behind me. And I said to myself, you know, there's a round white light. Um, there was a light show going on. And it's just a, a, a really great party place, really. It's uh, They do movie sets there and everything else. It's my best friend's nephew's place. And uh, they do recordings. They record shows, movies, and actually uh, some uh, interesting stuff going on. There. Anyway, but when this light appeared behind me, it startled me. And I said to myself, you know, you're really getting pretty old when your light startles you. And that's, so I just went on, and then I looked up, and this light, I don't know how to explain it, it was looking at me. And I looked at it, I went, what the heck? And it was just a, a white light coming from the ceiling. And I just thought, okay, somebody's out back in there messing around with, uh, you know, so I looked on the stage where the controls were for that, and uh, nobody was up there. So I looked at it, and every time I looked at it, it looked at me, and I moved my head, it would move it, its, itself with, with me. And I was yeah. trying to figure out, I was thinking, is light alive? Could light have a consciousness? I was thinking just like that. Mm-hmm. And just then, my friend who was on the dance floor looked at me. She said, what you, what's that? I said, you see that? She said, yes, Charlene, what's going on? I said, I don't know. She said, And she said, later, it's interacting with you. I said, I know. So she went and asked her nephew there. Nobody was there. They're all in the other room doing music because he had a, another music room, too. So I looked it up. Is life be alive? And there was only one little article, and it was quite beautiful. And um, it said there is a beginning and the end, and the light does not go on forever because you talk about uh, light and the speed of light and uh, breaking the light and speed barriers. You talk about that in your book. And what did I observe? Do you have any idea? Because I've never had anybody say this before. And I do have a witness that really did happen. I don't know what that was. It, it sounds more know. to me like a spiritual thing than a, a, a thing having to do with what we call our our physical light here. Unless it was some kind of a special effect lamp, I, I really don't know. I would no. just be speculating, and I don't want to, you know, you know, just take wild guesses at it because uh, I wasn't yeah. there to experience it myself. You experience it, so that's the, mm-hmm. that's the main thing to uh, think about and how, how that made you feel, how you reacted, what was going on there. Uh, I Since I didn't see it, I don't know. And so it sounds very interesting. And uh, you had somebody that was with you. I think yes. I would have more conversations with her and see uh, see what her impressions were of that whole thing and see if you can make <laughs> some sense out of it. I know. I have to try further because I still don't have an answer for this. And she actually write it all down. Write the whole incident down, and you know, try to go over. I find when I do that, I get more understanding 
when I'm tackling a subject or a mystery or something, I write it down, I give it some thought, I write it down, I go to the next day, write about it some more, you know, and, and the more I do that, the more the clearer things become. So you might want to try that. That sounds good. I'll, I'll try it. It's just that what I felt that what I felt when I was looking at it is that it was observing me, and I was observing it, and it was actually in my thoughts. I was trying to look at it. Yeah, you move your head to see it how it works. It would move it to yeah. its light too, light to look at me exactly the same way. That's why it was so peculiar. That's why she noticed. What is guy said yeah. I don't know. It's it's following me and thinking and I'm trying to think how could a light a light think? You know, it's a well, I don't know. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing, but I don't have yeah. an explanation for it. No. You know, so 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 Mark, how do you uh break the the sound and light barrier? Well a light speed barrier is what I I talk about in my book and it comes about as discovery of something that I call the slip wave, which is um, what I discovered while examining how particles move. If you want to, you know, back in the day when we first learned to build airplanes and such, we looked at nature to find a way to build something that could fly. You know, we observed birds and, you know, the Wright brothers and so forth, and Leonardo da Vinci and these people they studied those things and they studied, you know, learned about wings and learned about, you know, the pressure on the upper part of the wing and on the lower part of the wing. They learned how to create lift and the whole idea, and eventually they built, learned how to build airplanes and jets and so forth by watching nature. So I did the same thing. There was a problem that needed to be addressed, and is how do particles move? And... You know, I really couldn't get a good explanation from physicists. I certainly did ask them. Well, it's, it's, they have momentum. Well, how do they maintain that momentum? If we want to go to the speed of light and we want to build a rocket ship, there isn't enough energy and thrust we can get to get anywhere close to that. And a particle does it, like a photon, like it's nothing. And it maintains that speed all the way across the universe. It never slows down, even when it hits something or whatever. It's always moving at the speed of light. So I had to discover how particles move. And that's when I discovered the slip wave. And eventually, when I understood how particles move, uh, using this slip wave you know, technology, I call it, I guess, uh, I said, this is how we could build starships. Uh, so I had to thoroughly understand basically inside of particles the way they're constructed. They're basically vortex shapes and uh, a spiral that gets wider and wider as it spins around. It's like a little seashell. I have some here. I can't really show you, but it starts at a point and then just mm-hmm. wide sp- spiraling around. You've seen them on the beach, I'm sure. Yes. And... Um, these vortex shapes create a pressure wave starting at the front where the pressure is the same as in the area around it. But as this winding happens, space is stretched, the density drops, and so a pressure wave forms in the particle. And that's what you need for that particle to have a velocity, a motion in a particular direction. And 
so I, I said, well, this makes sense. So these guys back in James Clerk Maxwell's time were right about the vortex that I thought was, you know, uh, not a good idea. But I, I came around and said that makes perfect sense. I could see how they got that idea. So basically, pressure waves. Pressure is about basically the way things move in this universe. Uh, I, water in a hose moves because of pressure. Weather systems spiral around and blow. The wind blows because of changes and differences in pressure. Uh, car engines move because of pressure expanding in the, the pistons and causing the mechanism to move, causing the tires to spin, causing the car to go. Jets move because of thrust, pressure coming in. Pressure, pressure, pressure. I said, that's got to be the answer to pressure differences within the particles. So I've solved the problem of how particles move. And I call this thing the slip wave because the, the particles literally just slip <laughs> like bubbles, you know, through space in a particular direction depending on, on their polarization structure. So once I realized, I said, we can emulate that. And since I already knew that James Clerk Maxwell discovered what the speed of light was in a free space in a vacuum out in outer space. Uh, he discovered it by virtue of the fact that C, speed of light, equals 1 over square root of permittivity times permeability, which are two aspects, uh, properties of space, having to do with the electrostatic field and the magnetic field, which is what a photon is made of, uh, electrostatic field, and a magnetic field. So we emulate this wave, uh, this slip wave, by using a magnetic field. And at, let's say we have a starship that is um, cigar-shaped, which they very commonly are. There have been many photographs yes. and little films where they're called the motherships. And this makes perfect sense because this design is absolutely the best design to build and use if you're building an interstellar starship. Because you don't want anything protruding outside of the slip wave. If it does, it'll be disastrous. Everything everything has to be inside of that slip wave bubble that starts at one end where you have uh, magnetic coils and concentric rings around the cigar shape. So the you start with a very strong magnetic field, several hundred Teslas, I would estimate, at the front. The next one is even stronger, a stronger magnetic field. The third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, however many it takes to get to the end. Each one stronger magnetic field than the, than the last. This will give that object not only pure anti-gravity blocking capability, it's not going to fall, it's going to go in that direction if it's configured like that. It's going to go forward because there's a pressure wave built within that uh, slipwave field caused by the intense magnetic fields. This is this is no longer, you know, Star Trek, how to, how to stuff move with the warp drive, and nobody can tell you how the warp drive works. I'm telling you precisely how it works and precisely how to build it and why it works that way. So the slip wave is just the mechanism that we can use to break the speed of light. Now, I gave you that equation about what Maxwell came up with. 
Now, if you can change permeability and permittivity of space, if you can reduce them, you could go any speed you want, and you can break the light speed barrier, but that's how you have to do that. And when you use a magnetic field in this configuration, it reduces both permeability and permittivity. So everything I'm telling you is logical, it's making sense, and people have achieved this. And uh, types of materials that you can look up on the internet called metamaterials. And in these materials, they have reduced permittivity and permeability, and then they shine light in it, and they're claiming that light is going infinitely fast. And that can only happen when permittivity and permeability drop to zero. So how you break the light speed, and this is science that they're already claiming they've done, so I'm not arguing with them, and, and they seem to be able to know by this, these experiments that they've done that they're fairly convinced, and there's a lot of practical applications for this metamaterial. So there's some scientific evidence, experiments that have been done that demonstrate that you can reduce permittivity and permeability, and if you do that, you'll be able to go faster in the speed of light. So using a strong, intense magnetic field that goes spans across the cigar-shaped crap can make that crap go virtually any speed desirable. If you reduce permittivity and permeability to zero, I don't re recommend doing that, you'll go at an uncontrollably fast speed and no doubt get lost. Uh, within a moment or two. You'll probably go right out of the entire galaxy, right out of the whole universe that we're in, into the void between universes somewhere. So you have to manage your 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 um, permeability and permittivity. <laughs> you do not want to you do not want it to go to zero. You need to drop it. But if you well, drop it, you the, know, the let's say by one the... half the you, you the UFOs though have have managed to uh, survive. You know this. I have seen a UFO, and it was pretty small, the size yeah. of a VW actually. You know, it's actually if you looked at it from the side, that you could say it was shaped like a VW, but it was gray. Absolutely no rivets, no windows, no sound. Actually, I could see it had like a sort of porosity, like an eggshell. And I was the passenger of the car. It's My friend, she saw it first and pointed, and then I looked at it. And it was flying lower than a telephone pole, but it was going in the slow lane. We were going in, in the slow lane towards Long Beach, and it was coming up the slow lane towards us. To be sure, we saw it probably because we had been having a lot of experiences. And it was at dusk, and it was so shocking that that we actually had to put it out of our minds somehow until we were leaving the dance and the synchronicity of the skies. We were going to coffee, and this one guy I had been talking to, um, I asked him, what is your birthday? And he said, July 13th. I said, that's my birthday. Then I looked at my friend. I said, didn't we see a UFO on the way over here? And we started screaming so loud that we never went. They guys took off. So we're nuts. But we 
saw a UFO, and then we've had many, many dreams of us together, and we get abducted constantly. But um, what I wanted to tell you about was uh, about your um, that knot theory. Tell you that slip wave theory. Slip wave theory. How do you say it? Slip wave. Uh... Yeah, simply theory. Okay, okay. This <laughs> is what ha- you know that that part of when just when you're just falling asleep. I don't know what to call that. You're not all the no. way to sleep, but you're almost all asleep. You're in this like a zone. Like a and in that that ha- this is yeah. What happened was I was in that zone, and and this is what in my mind's eye I saw. I saw a ribbon that was like a, a, a it was yellow even, and it had a twirl to it. And you snapped it, and it was as fast as like if you hit a a uh, whip. Let's put it in a whip uh, and a ribbon, and you snap it, and it was twirled around a circle. And I heard right after that a boom, and I was like, "Wow! Like, is this? Did this break a sound barrier or something?" And I'm awake. So uh, it was like something hit the house, but I saw a literal whip. Because I can remember it looked yellow, and it had a twirl to it in the middle, like you would have a roller coaster ride, right? And then when you snapped it, that was when you broke the speed of sound or whatever. So my whole house shook when this happened, but, but I observed something happening. It hit the house hard. So the next day, I left, I left for work, and I look at my porch, and a huge beam, that this is a solid wood beam, had cracked down the middle. And I was like, okay. what the hell is going on? What, what kind of power could have done that? Like, or could, it, sounds, it almost sounds like a, thund- a lightning bolt. That's what it sounds like. Was there any burn? No, the, nothing. That's what shocked me. No. The, you know how you have a square pillar, right? And they're pretty thick. I, I'm, I'm uh, holding my hands out now. It's, you can't put your hands around it. They're very thick. It split right down the middle. And I heard it split. But why would I see, have this, just before it happened, be doing this weird calculation in my head? You know what I mean? I don't. I am very poor at math, so I can't put things in those terms. But I can recognize what you're talking about because I've experienced well, some kind of. Go ahead. Well, the snap of a whip and why you hear that big pop is the whip mm-hmm. breaking the light speed barrier and making that sound. Exactly. Yeah. So. But that's what I, I heard. That's the mystery. That's the that mystery. Is yeah, it is mystery. a mystery because why would I actually see it, its mechanism in my mind's eye and understand it? It's that, but then my post in my house had cracked. Hmm. I don't know. I just think maybe it's alien information. <laughs> That's what I think. I don't know. My house I, had I, taken I, off a little too like fast and cracked the beam. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have experiences like that where things out of the ordinary happen to you? Yeah, but they're 
uh, more, I don't know how to say it, they're just more like psychic experiences where, you know, mm-hmm. they may might see my, uh, like in one instance, there was guardian angels in my room during a crisis period in my life. So I would say that's, you know, there's no, there's not a whole lot of mystery there. There's things that I can comprehend and deal with and understand. Uh, I'm not having to try to interpret it. You know, I've had those kind of things happen. And I saw a UFO in front of my house uh, a while ago, but it clearly was a UFO. It did a little floating what around it like? and then it disappeared. Well, it was very, very dark that night, and it was like I was getting up to get a drink at around 3.30 to 4 in the morning, and I saw all these red and green flashing lights outside. I thought it was the police, so I went to the window to look, and the red and green flashing lights were over the lake. And, well, I said, that's not the police. And they were incredibly bright, and all I could do was see some oblong shape. Uh, But the lights were so bright that it was kind of blinding or obscuring the what was behind the lights because they weren't shining on the surface of it at all so it was just that vague shape and it was about the size of our house it was fairly large very slow moving it was red and green and then it went to all red uh and then it it slowly and i mean the whole time it was just floating just uh, maybe uh a hundred yards away from us over the lake, and then it just went slowly drifting toward the west, and we lost it behind, you know, the tree line because it was very low, and eventually we couldn't see it anymore. And yeah, I've I've seen that. That was a close, definitely a close encounter. And um, but nothing more than that. We we made sure we didn't interact with it at all because I I sure as heck didn't want to get abducted or anything because. Uh, you know, like hearing those stories. Uh, usually they're fairly unpleasant. And so uh, I just stayed in the dark in my house, and we watched it float away. And um, But, you know, I have some things like that. There's other things that have happened along the way in my life, certainly, mainly to do with mediums. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, nothing comes to mind right now, but... Yeah, I've had several uh, encounters with uh, uh, the afterlife and certainly many with mediums learning things, uh, getting information of that nature. Um, Some dreams. Some dreams. I did have a dream where I predicted something, and it came true. It was actually true. It actually came true. And that's pretty rare for me. That actually happened twice. And the one time that it happened was during a crisis point in my life, and I was living in an apartment by myself. I was feeling very bad. Things were going wrong. I was going through a divorce. and There was a lot of chaos and pain and suffering involved. And I just thought one night as I was falling asleep, can people really see into the future? I just, I, I was just having trouble believing that, that you know, it was, possible because the future is always in motion and i didn't understand how that could be and so i fell the future, asleep the future is always and, in motion 
Yeah. And I fell asleep, and I had this very simple dream where I'm um, walking in from, you know, I'm parking my car in the morning and walking in to work, and there was a beautiful sunrise. And as I was walking in, I looked down, and I saw this very shiny dime heads up on a white line, white stripe in the parking lot. And and then I woke up, and I said, well, that was a funny dream. I wonder why I had that. And I fell back to sleep, and I forgot about it. So the next morning, I wake up, get dressed, go to work, um, park in the parking lot, and I'm walking in, and I see this beautiful sunrise, and I'm thinking, uh, this I remember this. <laughs> this looks very familiar. And I'm yeah. walking along, and then, and then I look down, and sure enough, I see a bright, shiny dime laying on a white stripe, heads up. And when I saw that, it all wow. rushed back into my memory. I said, I dreamt this last night. They actually answered my prayer. They demonstrated for me that you can see into the future. And so I learned, and it was a valuable experience, but a very deeply personal experience. I mean, I can tell you the story, and you can decide whether you believe it or not. I know what happened. I was there. I witnessed the whole thing from beginning right. to end. Uh, and so I, well, I believe it. I know it to be, be true. Well, I... You know, these are experiences that were really meant just for us, and now now we can share them. And there are people that will believe it and gain benefit from it, and then there will be some that won't. And I accept that; that's fine. And uh, but the point of it is, uh, these are the the afterlife. The people, the spirit guides, they're trying to help you. And if you contact them and and try to converse with them, at times they will give you signs like this and it's a great thing of comfort to me anyway me, uh, to me to very this, much so i have this ability and this you know something that everyone can tap into and there's many seminars going on right now that teach people how to meditate and and draw upon this connection back to because we all really are connected we don't realize it when we're alive physically but when we pass back to the other side, we're, we actually realize we all come from the source, the one thing, and we're all interconnected. And it's it's a very different experience than what we have here, where we're in the physical body and we're sort of isolated and difficult to communicate because all we can use is our voice and our body mannerisms and so forth. It's a very crude system we have. Uh, versus the system over there where it's pure thought and consciousness directly communicating back and forth between beings. So, yeah, I've had my my fair share of strange experiences, (laughs) for sure. Well, it's... uh, I think it's it's incredible. You know, once... You know, this is highly unexplainable, but I was this lady that she looked just straight out of the 40s school teacher look. You know, she had a, I can remember 